Happy Hump Day, everybody, and welcome back to Brown Bag Bets. Powered by Betsperts, we are your daily dose of quickie and handicapping and sports betting picks. Returning, as always, from his brief Betsperts golf respite, I look forward to going back and watching to see who's going to win the tournament. Honestly, you guys are making it kind of boring. Mr. Andy Molitor, how goes it? How are things? I thought about that a lot this morning, Alex, because it's a bit of a, I don't know, like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, Back to the Future. This is like a trilogy, and if I do pick the winner correctly this week, it'll actually put an obscene amount of pressure on me next week to like finish off the playoffs, because like part threes haven't been great traditionally in a lot of things, although I shouldn't say that about Star Wars. All those were good, but man... Like, I'm almost hoping I, I get a runner-up this week. I should just play each ways and get a runner-up because that would put in a lot of pressure. And I'm gone next week. So just for, for anyone who watches anything, I'm off next week. I will be up north. Uh, we have a cabin. I'm going to be just uh, probably, I was going to say grow a beard. I already have a beard. But just uh, I'll put a flannel on like Tiger and uh, just be a, be a mountain man. Ty, did you see the Tiger Woods video at all? I, I, well, how could you not see it with everybody making yeah. jokes about how scared Ricky Fowler should be? I mean, <laughs> oh God, I know those are horrible. It's just like they made me weird in the flannel. It's like it's like when the guy who's running for like Senate has to go visit some small towns, and you've never seen the this person out of like a, a business suit, and then suddenly they're just wearing a flannel shirt to this town hall. It's like, buddy, we're, you, the tag is still on that. You look, you look, you're ridiculous. But oh, Tiger, Tiger heading down with something. But yeah, this is it's a fun week with BMW. I'll be off next week. I purposely planned that because I hate next week's golf tournament with the, the stupid scoreboard and whatnot. <laughs> I'm fine. Just I'll, I'll donk on a couple hours. I'll still bet golf. I'm not gonna just. I'm, well, it's something I'm able to win money at. I should. I'm not gonna stop for a week. So, and it, and it is a volume game. I bet hundreds of golf bets every year. So, this week is in. Wilmington, which uh, Delaware. So I'm working on the newsletter. Haven't finished this yet. And Alex, I've been to the East Coast very sparingly. I've been to Europe more times than I've been to the East Coast. Like it's just not something that's been in part of my vacationing planning ever. Or I'm just having. You like nice weather? Time. I get it. Yeah. So I don't <laughs> know, like my geography just fucking sucks. And I'm looking at the weather, and I'm like, oh, it's not going to be that windy. I'm like, Wilmington's on the coast, right? I look, oh, dude, it's it's a suburb of Philadelphia, man. It is essentially just, I mean, it's further out than the suburbs, but it's just there. It's on the river. It is not a coastal town whatsoever. It's just like, it's a stopover on the drive to Baltimore. So I learned where Wilmington was today. Uh, that was That's big good. on my big on my list. But, yeah, I, I do have some outrights. I don't know how many of these are within reach, although – for those people that are across the river from Wilmington in the great state of New Jersey, I will say this, and I, I don't promote books ever, but if you, uh, unless, you know, unless I'm paid, God bless you, you should bet all your bets at FanDuel, obviously, but uh, bet three, six, five has been pretty good this year for golf stuff. And it is one of those things where you have to wait. And usually there's going to be two or three guys that are boosted. And I know the limits are a little lower on that, but man, you can, Every week they have golf bets boosted for outrights. You can get some pretty good prices compared to the market. So if you are in the New Jersey uh, tri-state area there, that's something I would check out because I think right now you can get Finau at a better number than I'm I'm posting. And that was 
a struggle for me to find a 19 at some point. So uh, it is a bomber's course for the most part, but also it is still not a shitty field. Sometimes you have these courses like, oh, it's a bomber's week. Because and it's like, well, yeah, and there's only like five, six good players here. So sometimes you'll have someone just hit the piss out of the ball and win the tournament. Everybody's here. All the good players are here, save Cam Smith. So I don't think that's just going to straight up win you, and it's not going to hurt if you can hit the ball a country mile. So uh, Finau, Xander, Morikawa, and Young is my entire card for the week. I did save some funds for some possible live ads, which um, I will say – there's a decent case for that. They don't do the split tees. So anyone who watches golf knows like, well, they, you know, with 150 guys, some guys start on oh, the 10th yeah. tee early, especially Thursday and Friday. None of that. It's played like the opens where everybody starts on the first tee. So despite only being 68 in the field, there will be some late tee times. Are we down from 69? Late. I thought we were at 69. We are at 60. Yeah. Uh, so Woodland qualified, but isn't playing and they won't, bump someone in because you got to earn your way in. So if, if people drop out, they will, they never add to this. And, and I, I don't know. It's good for everyone else who's in there because it bumps the purse up a titch for everyone else. But so between Woodland and Camp Smith, we are down to 68. But yes, there will be late tea time. So decent opportunity possibly to add some outrights late who literally have done nothing wrong. If you see their odds drop, it's, it's only based on other people doing things right. I guess you know, there, there's something to that, but that's not to say they can't go out there and shoot a, an opening round with some low scores, even if it is in the afternoon. Because, again, not on the coast, on the river. But Fino 19, Xander 21, Morikawa 25, and Young 28 were the numbers I was able to get. If you can get better than that, kudos. But those are my guys. I, I don't think Zal doesn't have a shot at winning again. He's looking so good right now, but his number was a little depressed and that uh, depressed me. So those are my outrights for the week. And that's everything. Anything else I bet will be over at BetSports Golf over in the Discord. I did have one matchup I wanted to go over too. So <sighs> it's another week where Oh, not this guy. Yeah, I know. All you guys do is complain about him. I feel like this guy, you know, has hosed us this year. It kind of has, but the the pickings are a little <clears throat> slimmer uh on the on the old on the old uh, i don't know the betting menu whatever yeah, have you true. and i thought shame honestly when i did this i thought seamus hit the ball a little further i thought he was getting a bump for being a bomber but they're both about tour average for driving distance i just have Mito much higher ranked and so many other things i mean just He's going to be better with his irons. I like Sheamus. I've bet on Sheamus. I haven't hit it outright on Sheamus back in the day. I love his name spelt and said, but at this price, I'm getting plus money here. I think the the actual odds for just the matchup was right around minus 130. I think uh, Bookmaker was a little higher, which is, again, a good side. But Mito Pereira, minus one and a half over Sheamus uh, for a multitude of reasons. And a lot of it just being second shot score making and a guy I don't think that's going to have as much struggles with some of the, there's going to be some three putts here that are going to very much bother people who bet on certain golfers, big, big, big greens. Everyone's going to find them. It's going to be making sure you find your way into the hole and score on the holes you can. So meet a one and a half over Seamus. That's my, my one matchup that I have bet so far. Uh, Turn down the power. Come on, Mito. Do something. Bet online, bet online, Lovig. I think that's where I got that at. 
So. Uh, how goes? How goes the old uh, tennis tournament down in Cincy? The latest I've seen start. was the FAA match was interrupted, so I think it might be. I didn't have the TV on. I think it may be raining. Yeah, it's it's going so okay so far. I think we're up a little bit on match plays. Um, we've got a, a big underdog today again. You'll like this. We've got Sloaner again today, but trying to look through. Outright's doing okay. Cooter Matova, it looks like she's going to walk into a really nice spot. I was hoping Halep after a long week would maybe a little fatigue, maybe possibly pull out. It looks like we might get that hole to open. So it's been fun in Cincinnati, despite a little bit of weather issues. We've had some rain here and there, but some great matches, a lot of tie breaks, Andy. I mean, the speed of these courts are, have really shown so far. You know, it's super weird. I just got a press release from like Mito's uh, agent, not his agent, but like his PR firm. Oh. Generationals, Mito Pereira advances to next round of PGA Fed. It's, it's a sign. Oh, like, like, I don't, I don't know why I would get this. Good job. Let's go, Mito. So, all right, back to Cincy. <laughs> Sloaner at a big price. Look at that. But uh, yeah, still early ish in the tournament. So, you should have a big fat card today, right? Handful of stuff. We finally get an over two and a half sets bet for the first time in a long time. It seems like. Uh, this number is just a little depressed. Jesse Pagula is going to play Marta Kostyuk. This is, um, I believe, next up. I'm not sure after which match we just started play for the day. Probably start about 15, 20 minutes after we wrap up the show. Um, you might see a 20 and a half. I was happy to go and pay a little bit less for the 21. There's some 21s at even money around there. Bookmaker's always good with stuff like that. Then over two and a half sets plus 165. I think this is going to be a long match. Um, and as I started to look at my numbers and, and kind of, the way I was looking at this match, more often than not, I had the total going over in three sets. I think there is a chance we get um, a very competitive set, a 7-5, maybe a 7-6 in one of these two sets. But um, the more I looked at it, the more it seems like this is probably a three-setter. But 21 at cheap money, even plus money, again, depending on where you look, looks great to me. We could definitely hit that in two sets and over two and a half sets. It's been a while, but finally saw a plus 170, plus 165 here. Um, had this close to plus 140, plus 145 myself. Again, part of the correlation being I had the total high, but it does seem like this particular match, um, both of these women really struggle to put matches away in two sets. And given the way they play, I think there might be an exchange here and we'll have three sets. Hopefully Pagula, well, maybe Kostrick. Actually, I don't have an outright on either, but three sets here looks pretty good to me. So give me the over and over two and a half sets. Put together two favorites here. Marie Buzkova plays Allison Risk. The price I got in this parlor is right around 270 minus 275. I just closer to minus 350, almost 375 myself. Um, Risk just getting a lot of credit for some easy kind of sloppy wins. And Buzkova really in fantastic form has put together some really great weeks of tennis. I believe only one loss in the last couple of weeks. And even having to qualify a little bit. And not too worried about the fatigue here. The matches have been so quick. She spent so little time on court and has had some time to recover here. But again, have this closer to 360, 375 myself, and we'll put her together with Carolina Pliskova, who loves it here. Um, all this speed is really good for her game. She generally advances deep into the tournament and goes up against um, Elise Mertens, who just doesn't have it here, um, generally takes care of Mertens in the, in the three or four times they have played, I believe, in the last year or so. Uh, beat her in two sets twice, I think. I'd have to go back and double check. But it's a great matchup for her. I look at this line right now. Um, Pliskova only minus 175. I had this closer to 250. So a pretty big edge there if you just wanted to play it by itself. But happy to put that with Buzkova for plus 115. And then give me Sloane Stevens. Give me the games. Give me the money line. She played a great first match. Goes against Iga Swiatek, who generally does not play well in North American hard courts. Now, she's only had... 
this is probably her third season as a serious WTA player playing in North America, but just really struggles here for, for some reason. And although she can be good on grass at Wimbledon and places like that, where we've seen her succeed, um, doesn't necessarily do well on some of these faster courts. And Sloan has looked great the last couple of weeks, generally picks up her game this time of year and had this closer to four and a half and, you know, plus 400. So plus six, um, plus five and a half is fine. Plus 550, anything plus 500 or better. And you should be able to find that easily. And then another American, Madison Keys, it is not a grand slam, Andy, but she goes up against Elena Ostapenko, who, to say this delicately, um, continues to work on growing her power, if you will. And um, not sure that's really going well. Her movement is really struggling. It's She looks out of sorts, and, and I don't really know what to do with that. Um, Kleister's-esque. Yes. Yes, she's working on sort of that Kleister-style body, if you will. Um, Madison Keys doesn't really mind the game that Ostapenko wants to play. Keys plays very similarly. She's happy to stand there, smash the ball as hard as she can, be really aggressive on return. She is not going to mind Ostapenko talking to her in whatever language she is, cursing, saying crazy stuff. So I, I really like Keys here. I had her favorite in this match. And that was even before going back and watching Ostapenko's first round match that just stumbled into a win. And that probably works as a double entendre, really, if you go back and watch it. So give me Keys a plus anything. I like the plus move too. There's been some women that have really stepped up in this uh, this section of the the calendar or what have you. The pre it's it's not like a lead up because these are big tournaments, but it is the lead up to the U.S. Open, and that's going to bode well for anyone that's hoping to cash a check up there. It's really interesting in the tennis calendar. I think that the most significant change in terms of the seasons, if the early hardcore season, then you go to clay and grass. I, I just I think that switch from grass to North American hards. I mean, a lot of these women have been playing hard tennis for seven, eight months now. It can really build up some fatigue. And I really think this time of the year, go back and look for players that maybe weren't playing so much the first half of the year, whether that be on purpose or they're rehabbing some injuries and stuff. Um, you know, players that maybe weren't as good at the beginning of the year generally are underrated this time of year. It makes perfect sense. until you go back and look and you do a lot of these ratings. So Try to really think about the calendar and, you know, what you can do in terms of taking advantage of, of swings and that. Go look at the history. I talked about Iga Swiatek. There are definitely players that tank at, at this time of the year, whether it be from fatigue, whether it be from the time zone differences and not enjoying all that stuff. It just is a really markedly tough time for certain players. Yeah, it's a grind. It's like hitting that, and especially some that haven't done it. People talk about hitting that rookie wall. Like it's maybe less of a thing because some of these tennis players play a shitload of challenger or ITF to get to this level. But some of them, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a much bigger grind playing against the high level players constantly. Like there's no respite. It's like, Oh, I beat, I beat this great player. Oh, guess what? Now you have a three time slam winner next job. Like there's, it's a whole different level once you get up here. Oh, that's, that's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's one of the reasons I like tennis. Like, imagine boxers had to box every day. It's obviously not as physical as that, but on some level, it does feel like that sometimes. It's like the the UFC one thing where, like, the in UFC one, they had to just fight in a tournament, right? Like, like best of the best, and it's like, yeah, you you won your UFC match. Now it is, uh, all right, I'll fight again in three months. Now you're fighting again in an hour, and this time it's a sumo wrestler. Yeah, you're not getting hit in the face, but it's definitely pretty physically taxing the way some of these women play. Yeah, much much less punching, um, which is not a, that's not what the case is for the Patriots 
joint practice mm. so far so there's been a lot of fights but there's always that there's every training camp every year somebody punches sure. somebody whatever for sure for sure uh over to the nfl it is win total wednesday and like excited. i said i'm going to be gone next week which means the deep dive will not be recorded next week which means drew and i with the assistance of the fabulous producer dan are pre-recording some podcasts so while we are touching on the uh nfc south what what, what conference what division west? am i on the NFC west. nfc west this week <laughs> no my god who is the are you doing the AFC? AFC the team uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about too many divisions. Thank you, Dan. We're talking about the AFC West this week. We're doing the NFC West as well, and mm -hmm. they will be released next week. So, a little preview of my thoughts on one of the teams in the uh, NFC West uh, Seahawks under. Why is this number so high? A lot of, yeah, this is schedule based, and they have like four spots in their schedule where they're a small favorite against another shitty team. And essentially, to get close to this number where you're sweating it, they need to go 4-0 in those games. Because I went through a ton of things. And it is, to Dan, Dan made this case this morning in the work slack. It's just 45 minutes of us dragging this franchise. But they really, really, really are looking like a team that could get the number one overall pick. Like If they don't win some of these games against the other bad teams, it's like a two or, win, two or three win team. Their defense was sneaky bad, hidden by, a, honestly, a great job by their defensive coordinator last year to not turn them into some defense that just got slashed all the time. They were just kind of, you know, bad in the in the sense of you could just get whatever you want short constantly, and long drives were, you know, just kind of the norm against them. The defense should get worse this year as they've lost extra pieces of that, and we'll start with a new coordinator the offense obviously is going to be a maybe the biggest downgrade ever from I mean it's going to be Russell Wilson and this happens all the time when great quarterbacks retire but Russell Wilson to Drew Locke is bad Geno Smith less so but it's not going to be good and the fact that there's still a competition makes me really worried about what kind of Geno Smith we're going to see so I I can't get to six wins without like Geno Smith really surprising me. And yes, we watched the preseason. It looked okay. The only bright spot in this entire team is the wide receiver core. And it's going to be good. But uh, I've seen enough teams with really good wide receivers not do shit because it's just not enough. It's just not going to be enough when this team is constantly playing from behind. They have a what amounts to likely the worst offensive line in the league. And if you're constantly playing from behind and the other team just knows you're throwing the whole time, guess what? We're going to, we're just going to like, we're going to make you throw to running backs and tight ends. We're going to double DK, see what you can do when you have two, two defensive ends coming around the edge of what is going to be a rough, rough go for these, uh, these tackles, especially a rookie tackle on your left side. So it could be a long season up there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, maybe a rewatch of Twin Peaks would be better this fall. But uh, you know what? There's a decent chance at the at the onset of April, you're looking at the Seahawks for 2023, and you're and you're just wondering like how good can this team be 
with the uh, the rookie quarterback you're about to draft. So hopeful for two years from now, but boy, I'm uh, I'm hard on the Thunder. This is again, yeah, this is not a huge bet. I, I don't go big on these because I hate tying up a ton of money unless it's the Bears one. But uh, I do have some plus money on under five and a half here. So what is the lowest win total you've seen? Because my immediate reaction to seeing this was you might get a nice number on the Seahawks to have the worst record, but their third favorite or whatever you want to call it to have the worst record this year, but you can get an alt under five and a half. That means their regular total is six somewhere. Yeah. It's, they don't tend to make, cause teams, teams find ways to win games. They shouldn't like, well, just bad things happen. And in this case, bad things happening, this team would be them winning games because they should be tanking. And I mean, every year you see this where the Jaguars beat the Bills and like this team will win a game most likely that they have no business winning. And you usually hope that offsets them losing to like, you know, the Falcons or something where, you know, there are those four games on their schedule. It's, these are these are games that could be competitive with another team that's in a full rebuild mode or has a really bad roster. Like If they go two and two in those, yeah, I'm, I'm Gucci because they're not going to just magically find a couple wins against some of the really tough teams they're facing, including their own division, which has the Rams, the Niners, and still has Kyler Murray. So it should be a should be a tough one up there. Seahawks fewest points, eight to one, doesn't sound too bad either. I almost like that more. This offense is going to be it's going to be kind of rough. We're going to have a Jacob Eason game. Like this team's going to stink out loud. It's I'm going to poke around and see if I can find like a four and a half or something. I mean, this is I feel like if this goes it goes bad. If they have any injuries on this line, again, if Geno Smith is we're going to lock games. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's a. Uh, they lost their best cover corner. They lost their best pass rushers. They lost their quarterback. It should be, it should be a step down from a team that. And again, they had to play without Russ for a while last year. But it's it's going to be it's going to be rebuilt in uh, Seahawks land finally after a good. They drafted success. a running back. Yes, who is injured? He possibly, <laughs> possibly it's either a groin injury or a full blown hernia. So we'll find out where that lands too. So. Congrats to those guys. Let's uh, let's go anyone but Seattle this year, and uh, yeah, we'll hit uh, hit some thumbs ups if you're looking forward to a possible NBA win total Wednesday next week. While I'm gone, who knows what's uh, what's in store for you? The schedule and, uh, is, is somewhere. Someone has it. Just give it to me. We will. Uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.